just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. Welcome back to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope all is going well with you today. I had one of those days where I could just focus on what I'm doing with the TikToks and the podcast and such. And uh, my son came by today and I was watching one of the many network news channels and I was writing some stuff. And he says, what are you doing? I said, I'm working. He said, what do you mean you're working? I said, yeah, I'm putting together information and stories and trying to research some things for the TikToks and the podcast. He says, that's not working. (laughs) I said, yeah, it actually is. It's what I've chosen to do for my job now. He goes, well, you're not making much money. I said, that's not the point. The point is I have an opportunity here that I would never have had in my life. You know, through your life, there's always things that you want to do, but you've got to make money to pay the bills and pay the light bill and buy food and that sort of thing. Fortunately, I've gotten to a point where I have a pension and other things that I can focus on just what I want to do as opposed to trying to turn a dollar at every second. And then if you put the time into something, you can find out if you can turn it into a business, if it becomes profit-making. And even if it doesn't become profit-making, who the fuck cares? I'm doing what I want. And I tried to explain to him, and I'll explain to you, there's a lot of satisfaction in creating something from nothing. And I've done that a couple of times in my life, a few times in my life. Taking something I wanted to do, come up with some kind of strategy, and just start doing it. Following the strategy to the best of my ability, assuming I was right, and I've not always been right. I've failed many times, and that's part of life. That's part of business. So when I started doing the TikToks, everybody said, well, that's not going to work. And it did work. And then when I started the podcast, people thought, well, okay, a podcast. Everybody in the fucking world's got a podcast. But my strategy was to get enough followers on TikTok and hopefully drag some over to the podcast so I didn't have to start out with zero listeners. And that worked. And yes, I make a couple of bucks here and there. TikTok has a creator fund. Uh, the podcast has that little commercial you hear in the middle, and it's not doesn't make me a lot of money. I'm not making a lot of money doing this, but it doesn't matter. I have the freedom to work at something and maybe turn it into something later as it gets bigger. Now, whether it does or not really makes no difference. I'll still continue to do it, but it's an interesting uh, experiment, if you will. Just somebody doing what they want to do, pulling it out of their ass and starting it from zero and seeing where it goes. I'm thankful that I'm seeing progress every day, both on the TikToks and on the podcast. So in spite of the fact what I'm doing is not traditional in the sense of work, I'm still keeping my bills paid. I'm still putting food on the table because of the way I've set things up to get to this point at 61 years old. But now I just get to do what the fuck I want. The one thing that I feel most competent at, and that's doing a podcast or doing the TikToks or looking into the news. I have a almost an obsessive interest in the news because I remember watching and hearing news and then finding out, well, that wasn't the real story. So I feel this compulsion to dig out the real story and then provide it to you here on the podcast or on the TikTok. 
So whether you want to look at this as my job or not, whether you be my kids, my wife, my family, my friends, this is my job. I take it as my job. I put the work in as if it's my job. Oh, yeah, I take some days off like I told you about. But that's the wonderful thing about working for yourself. You can take any fucking day off you want, and I do. So <laughs> next time somebody comes in and says, what are you doing? I'll just say I'm fucking working. Leave me alone. <laughs> and then they'll want to gauge it by how much I make. Well, I don't make a lot of money doing this, and I don't give a shit. But if I do it right and I do it long enough and I build it fast enough and far enough, I will make some money off of it. The one thing I won't do, I won't ever ask you for money. You are the means to an end. By gaining your attention and gaining you as an audience, somebody else might find it valuable. They can fucking pay for it. You're not going to pay for it. I appreciate why you're here, you're my audience, and it's my duty to provide you the best I can every day, whether it be in the podcast or the TikToks. And that's what you can count on. I'm not going to pimp you out for any fucking money. That's not my goal. That's not what you should do if you're trying to build a platform. So anyway, I was working all day, (laughs) but I enjoy it, and it's by myself. And I get to choose what I do, so it doesn't really feel like work. But as we're watching what's going on with this war in Ukraine, it's kind of frustrating. But I noticed kind of a break, kind of a, uh, a blink, if you will. With all that's going on in the war in Russia and Ukraine, I think it's fair to say now that Vladimir Putin has blinked. You see, Vlad Putin was just coming in, playing tough guy, threatening, invading, causing all kinds of death and destruction. But now, now, today, yesterday, actually, he said he has three demands to stop the fighting in Ukraine. He was Mr. Tough Guy. He was just going to tear everything down. But now he has some demands to stop the fighting. Number one, Ukraine must promise not to join NATO or any other such organization. See, Vlad's paranoid. The more people with NATO, the bigger trouble he feels like he's in. Because if you touch a NATO nation, then you've got 30 nations coming after your ass. And there's no way that that, uh, Vladimir Putin and Russia can handle 30 nations. They're having a tough enough time with Ukraine. Number two, Russia wants one part of Ukraine to be part of Russia. Now, what he's talking about is Crimea. Now, of course, Russia has already invaded there, but Ukraine has never recognized them as a Russian state. So what he's saying is, we got Ukraine, we want you to recognize that it is a Russian state and not a part of Ukraine. That's second demand. Third demand, there are two areas of Ukraine that will be independent states. Now, what he's referring to are those two areas in the uh, Donbass area that were we heard about just before the invasion. Remember, they sent some troops in there. They were like dipping their toe into Ukraine saying, we're coming, we're coming. And they went in there and they declared them independent states, which, of course, Vladimir Putin had no right to do. He's a Russian president, not the Ukrainian president. But he felt like he had that right, and that's what he did. It was kind of laughable, to be perfectly honest with you. But those are his three demands. Don't join NATO. Give us Crimea. And give us those two independent states in Donbass. So the question is, why is Vlad Putin talking about settling now? 
He was Mr. Tough Guy. He was never going to give up. Well, it's because Putin is in some deep shit. He made some horrific miscalculations. His country is imploding economically. And the war, well, the war is not going very well. You see, Vladimir Putin has run into something he's never seen before. He happened into a leader with some integrity, credibility, and courage. He happened into President Zelensky. Now think about this. A couple of years ago, Zelensky got a call from the most powerful man in the world, former President Donald Trump. Now Trump threatened him, uh, coerced him, even blackmailed him to find dirt on Joe Biden that didn't exist. Zelensky simply said, fuck yourself, Donnie. Then Putin parked 200,000 Russian soldiers on his doorstep and said, you better do what we say or we'll wipe you out. And Zelensky said, fuck yourself. Putin was forced into invading Ukraine. He didn't want to do it, but his bluff was called, so he invaded Ukraine. And then he said, surely you're going to give up now. You've got to be scared. But once again, Zelensky said, you know, fuck yourself. In fact, the whole nation of Ukraine said, fuck yourself. We're ready to fight. Now, Vlad wasn't expecting this. He's a bully, so he expected he could intimidate, he could threaten, and people will fold up and die because people have done it before. He's not used to people standing up to him because he's the most powerful military in the world. But then what we find out is, uh, well, he doesn't really have the most powerful military in the world. In fact, it's sorely lacking. Now, Vlad thought he would come into Ukraine and he would be in a cakewalk there. Wrapped up quickly, fast, and in a hurry. But that's not what happened. We're 10 days into this war, and they're still fighting. They're still fighting. And this isn't what Vladimir Putin expected. Russia doesn't have any air superiority yet. Can you imagine that? Russia has a very powerful air force. Ukraine doesn't. I mean, fuck, Ukraine's still waiting for MiGs from Poland. But for some reason... Russia has not been able to establish air superiority. They haven't taken Kiev yet, the capital city. We've been hearing about that for fucking 10 days. They've got a 40-mile convoy at a standstill. And you know why? Well, because they're out of water, food, fuel, and ammo. They have soldiers surrendering by the hundreds. Putin needs a way out of this while saving face. Now, the trouble with this is that Zelensky has said he won't give away an inch of Ukraine to Russia. And therein lies the problem. This is a game of chicken, and who is going to win? Well, we don't fucking know, do we? We have no clue who's going to win this. Vladimir Putin came into this thinking this was going to be easy, that he was going to roll over Ukraine like he's rolled over everybody fucking else. He was on a mission to get back the Soviet Union, get all these countries that were under the guise of the Soviet Union back together. Then he would be the conquering hero. 
The problem is, is he could go after Ukraine because they weren't in NATO, but all the other nations that were part of the Soviet Union are in NATO. And that's why people are concerned. If he gets to have his way in Ukraine, what will be the next step? The next step would be one of these NATO nations. Then 30 nations come up against Vladimir Putin, and they aren't going to shy away from fighting at this point. They have a commitment to fight with any nation that's being infringed on by Russia. And then we're in the middle of a third world war. Now, you see, um, Vladimir Putin keeps uh, um, keeps threatening this nuclear war thing. And it's only because that's all he's got. He doesn't have a very powerful nation. Um, but he's got the nukes. And that's the only thing that gives him any chance at all of being on the playing field. So he keeps threatening that. And the question is, is he crazy enough to do it? Because we know anybody that enters into a nuclear war, it's, uh, every, it's understandable that uh, people will be mutually destroyed. If Russia sends a nuke, we send a nuke. And at that point, Russia and America are destroyed. And anything near it, like Canada or Mexico or some of these sad former satellite countries, will be ruined. This would essentially ruin the country. Now, are they willing to do that? I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. Why would, uh, why would anybody be crazy enough to do that? Well, now that's... That's the question. Does Vladimir Putin have his mind intact or has he gone crazy? There's all kinds of talk about uh, him being sick with Parkinson's or cancer. Maybe he's not crazy. Maybe he just has a death wish. He figures, I'm going to die, so we'll take the whole fucking world with him. That could be. And that's frightening if that's how it is. That's absolutely frightening if that's how it is. Um. But it could be something else. I mean, think about this. Vladimir Putin is former KGB person, okay? He is very much into manipulation. Maybe he understands that if he makes people think he's crazy, that they would bend to him. I mean, we've seen everything he's tried to do. He's trying every bully tactic in the world, but it's not working. So maybe he plays the role of being crazy, so that causes people to be scared. And frankly, that could work. It depends on how fearful people get. But the problem is, is Ukraine's not going to give up. They may, in the end, get wiped out. But even if they get wiped out, Vladimir Putin doesn't have the wherewithal to run the country. He might destroy a lot of things. He might wipe a lot of things out, but his control will be limited because he just doesn't have the people to do it. We know that Vladimir Putin is paranoid. If he wasn't, Russia wouldn't be in Ukraine. He's worried about them joining NATO and having all those NATO countries around his border. Now that every other country has marginalized him, We've got sanctions coming from every country. He's feeling kind of cornered in his isolation. That's really what's happening. He's becoming isolated. He's got nowhere to go, nobody to trade with him. Now they've got people talking about not buying oil from him, which is troubling because that's really the only thing they sell. That's the only way they generate money. 
So he's becoming very isolated. People on the inside say that he's uh, not trusting the people around him. They say he's becoming increasingly afraid of his own staff. Leaders in the Russian military are now questioning his decisions. They say that being uh, cornered with no way out is what he fears the most. And that makes sense if he's a paranoid person. So let's face it, his country is suffering terribly. He's embarrassing his country because he's not as tough as he thought he was, or at least as much as he said he was. People around him are starting to question him. So Vladimir Putin is in a tough spot. He's got this paranoia. That's why he's in Ukraine. But now he's got every country in the world working against him, sanctioning him freezing his money, seizing property of his oligarchs, causing his stock market to crash, so much so that they've had to close it. The ruble, their dollar, is worth a penny compared to ours worth a dollar. So he's got a lot of people in that country that had a lot of money that is worth nothing now. He's got people protesting in the streets in a country that where people don't typically protest because Well, you can go to jail for that, or worse. But people are so upset about this, they're taking that risk. They're going into the streets, and they are protesting. There are situations where information is getting back to his people. Now, what he's done is he's tried to gaslight all the people in Russia. Everybody in the world knows what the fuck's up. They know he's fucked up. They know he's losing. But the people in Russia are important to him. So he's trying to do everything he can do to convince them that he's fighting the good fight, that he's the hero, that they're just a bunch of Nazis in Ukraine. And for a while that was working, but he's losing the war of information. Because, see, people are finding out. I told you a story yesterday, and I think it's hilarious, that Anonymous has been hacking all their government websites, and that's caused them a lot of trouble. But the word out is that Anonymous hacked their television channels, and during their most popular programs, they're taking them off and instead replacing it with some of the horrific video that's coming from the invasion of Ukraine. Nobody there believed that he would attack Ukraine that he would bomb Kiev or any of these other big cities. But here we go. We're sitting watching our favorite Russian television show. That shuts off, and in comes video of Vladimir Putin doing exactly what everybody was saying he's doing, but I didn't believe. But now I got the video right in front of my face. See, that's where his biggest problem is. If the people of Russia are against him, if the people in his military are against him, if the oligarchs are against him, He's got a big problem. People like him can tend to disappear or be thrown out of office or exiled or killed, like I've said before. So Vladimir Putin is paranoid in the first place, and he's got every reason to be paranoid. And this all stems from ego. He could have avoided this whole thing by not going into Ukraine, or at least when he got to the point where they started calling his bluffs once or twice, He could have backed out of it when he could still save face. So now what he's doing is he's making these demands, hoping that these people will be suffering so much in Ukraine that they'll accept the demands willy-nilly, and they'll be able to back out, and he'll be able to claim a win. But the problem is, 
President Zelensky is a little stronger guy, not quite as paranoid as Vladimir Putin. He's saying, fuck that. You don't get any part of Ukraine, which is a crazy thing to say when you've got all these troops in this country taking over your country and they give you an out and you say, fuck yourself. That's either stupid or courageous. And I think in this situation, it's courageous because Ukraine is doing way better than anybody expected in the war. Now, at this point, Russia has about 100% of their resources in Ukraine. And that means, remember the people that were standing at the border, all the military weaponry and all the vehicles and all the troops were at the border? They didn't bring them all at once. They brought them bits at a time. But now, all that resources are in Ukraine. They're running out of ammo. They're taking horrible losses. They've lost almost 100 planes and helicopters since this thing started 10 days ago. That's 10 a fucking day. I've heard reports of anywhere from 7,000 to 10,000 Russian soldiers dead. Hundreds of soldiers of the Russian army are surrendering for a couple of reasons. They aren't competent to fight, and they got themselves in a bad situation, and they had to give up. In other situations, you've got people who are there fighting, and they have no idea that they were going to fight. They don't know why they're fighting, and they certainly don't know why they're fighting against Ukrainians, people they saw as brothers. So you've got hundreds of people exiting the front lines and surrendering to the Ukraine people. Vladimir Putin's in a very tough spot. Don't kid yourself. People will say that uh, he'll never give up. He'll never give up. And I, I buy into that to a certain extent. I agree. But there always comes a point when you have a narcissistic sociopath backed into a corner. At some point, they're fighting and they're flailing and they're trying to do everything they can. But when that doesn't work, they usually run. They fucking bolt. Or they're taken down by somebody near them. And we're kind of getting at that stage with Vladimir Putin. I don't know how, if, or when that's going to happen. But there's certainly a risk to Vladimir Putin that this could happen. We've got our fingers crossed hoping that it does. Something needs to make this stop. This is absolutely terrifying for the people of Ukraine and all of us watching it. We can't believe it's even happening because there was no cause for it. Ukraine wasn't aggressive. Ukraine wasn't doing anything. They were just living their lives as a peaceful country. Vladimir Putin decided, I want that, and that's what started the war. I think a lot of people in Russia, not only the people on the streets, but the people in the military and in the government are saying, what the fuck? The problem is, is Vladimir Putin is essentially a mob boss. It's not a situation where there's checks and balances, where he has to answer to somebody or follow any law. He's basically a dictator, so he can say whatever he wants, do whatever he wants, and everybody just nods their head and said, yeah, go ahead. But when it comes down to destroying the entire country, destroying the economy, putting people on the streets, causing people to starve, forcing people to go into wars they don't want to go into, sending body bags by the thousands back to Ukraine, well, people's attitude change. As powerful as they might think Vladimir Putin is, 
they got to put a fucking stop to this. All of a sudden, people start getting brave and saying, somebody's got to be the hero here. Somebody's got to stop it. Now, see, the thing is, if Vladimir Putin takes Ukraine, these sanctions aren't going to come off. As long as he's there, as long as he's taking control, they're going to stay. Even if Vladimir Putin pulled everybody out tomorrow, the sanctions would stay. Because I think most of the sanctions are set up so that the only way they come off is if Vladimir Putin is gone. Now, when you put that kind of thing on a government like Russia, and you put people in that much pain and take so much away from them, eventually they get tired of it. Eventually there is an uprising and they kick back. And that's what's going to happen. The only way Russia gets back to normal is if Vladimir Putin is gone. And it's really on them to get that done. Because, unfortunately, America and all the NATO nations can't do anything. Otherwise, we're in World War III. Now, the vast majority of Russia doesn't want to get in World War III. They know the problems of that. But they are looking at Vladimir Putin, too, as they're saying, is he crazy? Is he going to get us in World War III and destruct the whole world? Trust me, they're as nervous about this as we are, and they're trying to think of ways to do it. I've heard psychics and other people predicting, oh, he'll be assassinated, they'll take him out, they'll run him out on a rail, whatever they're going to do. I don't know if any of that's true, but it's the one thing that makes sense. It's the one thing that makes sense, because as much as it's a hardship to Americans and Europeans with the cost of gas and such, it's also an incredible hardship, even more of a hardship on the people of Russia. Now, the scenario could be great. Vladimir Putin gets out, we take the sanctions off, we help to build, rebuild Ukraine, and we get a government in Russia that can work with people and isn't a threat to people. We start buying their oil. We maybe send some other people over to help them use some of their other resources, help them make more money, make a better life for the people in Russia. They would be appreciative of that, and maybe we could live in harmony. But as long as we have this one fuck, Vladimir Putin, there is nothing but turmoil and drama in this world. So the common denominator is Vladimir Putin. We want him out, Europe wants him out, and I'm guessing Russia wants him out too. It's just a matter if we can figure a way out to get that done. All right, let's take a break. We'll be back. You know, one of the truly amazing things I'm seeing about this war in Ukraine, you know, we've got Ukrainians fighting, fighting for their lives, and they're doing a hell of a job. But what's truly amazing is how many people from all over the world that are going to Ukraine to fight. I mean, there are literally thousands of people. They're nobodies. They might be veterans. They might be... Um, former police officers. They might even be builders. But for some reason, they're making a, a, a trek to Ukraine to help out. When they ask them, why are they doing this? They said, well, people are in need. They need some help. I have some skills, and I'm going to help them do that. Think about that. You've got an army like Russia coming into Ukraine. You're from Pittsburgh or from Canada or whatever, and you say, I'm going to go help them fight. Now, the chances are Russia is going to win this thing. You're going over there to fight for a country that you don't live in, that you're not a citizen, but you're willing to risk your life to help out in this. 
Now, there's two reasons for this. You're very altruistic. You care about people, and you want to truly help people. Or you're just a fucking nutcase who likes to fight. Either way, I'm sure Ukraine welcomes them. But somehow they feel compelled to come there and fight for the good of Ukraine. You know, the funny thing is, though, we don't see, we don't see those terribly tough patriots in America. You know, the ones that are looking for the Civil War and you can't believe how tough they are and how skilled they are. I mean, Christ, they can barely run to the refrigerator to get an Eau Claire without losing their breath, but they are fighters and they're ready to fight in America. But the fact of the matter is Ukraine is fighting for their freedom too. Don't they call themselves freedom fighters? Why wouldn't they go over there, offer their special skills at eating eclairs or whatever the fuck? But you're not going to see them go over there because they're great at talking about how tough they are, but they don't actually want to get into it. I mean, we saw what happened on January 6th. They start getting arrested, and what do they do? They start ratting out all their buddies and friends because they're afraid to go to jail. They're telling us how important freedom is to them and how they're fighting the good fight. But when it comes down to it, they fucking bail. But I tell you what, the people that are going to Ukraine now aren't like that. They are literally risking their lives simply to help out. And if there is anything that Ukraine needs is as much help as they can get. I mean, Ukraine not only has a military of about 200,000 people, which is formidable. They're handing out guns to citizens, men from 18 to 60. They're making them stay in the country so that they can fight for their country. you got to understand, this country has 42 million people in it. That's a lot of fucking people. Now, of course... All 42 million aren't going to be fighting. In fact, 1.7 million have already left Ukraine and gone to some of the other countries like Poland or what have you. But if you've got 40 million people sitting there, 35 million people, make it 20 million people that can fight. If somehow they can get weapons, and that's what America and, uh, and Europe is trying to do, provide more weapons, more ammo. That's going to be insurmountable for this Russian military. They got a couple hundred thousand people. That's a lot. We've got 200,000 Ukraine. That's a lot. That's kind of an even match. But when you start arming other people in this country, and then you have other people coming from other countries to try to fight, people that know how to fight, this is a problem for Russia. They may end up being the underdog in this situation. It's really a wonderful thing to see. This is exactly like uh, David and Goliath. You got the giant and you got the little kid and the kid wins even though they're, uh, the odds are against them. I mean, it's like Rocky, you know, everybody loves a Rocky story. And if somehow Ukraine comes out good in this, you're going to see Ukraine in the news all the time. You're going to see Zelensky um, lauded as a huge hero, and he probably should be. I mean, he's president of the country. He had every option to get out of the country and keep himself safe, but instead he said, I'm staying, I'm fighting, and that's what I'm doing. 
Now, whether he's doing it for political reasons or not, he's still putting himself at risk, and you've got to give him credit for that. He's sticking there, he's continuing to lead, and he's fighting against Russia. But with the resolve of Ukraine and all these people willing to fight in the millions and all these people coming from around the world to fight, that spells trouble for Vladimir Putin and the Russians. Now, the question right now is, what do you do? What does Ukraine do? What does NATO do? What does America do? What can they do? What can't they do? Now, when you have problems like this, it isn't unusual for a president to call, well, say, a former president to get advice or some insight. Now, don't get excited. Uh, Joe Biden's not calling Donald Trump for advice about fucking anything. Donald Trump is not a good source of advice. But that said, Donald Trump is offering up some free advice on what he would do with Ukraine and Russia and their war. He has an idea. Yeah, he has a fucking plan how to handle this whole situation. Now, when I saw this plan, I, you know, honestly, I laughed because I thought it was a a satirical piece. I thought it was a joke. I thought it was funny. I thought it was like in the onion or something. But it wasn't. No, 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 it wasn't. It was something Donald Trump actually said. And it is, well, it's fucking laughable, I'll tell you. Donald Trump has a plan for ending the Russia-Ukraine war. Now, this is his plan. His plan is that America should take their F-22 fighter jets and paint Chinese flags on the side of the jets, and then take flight over Ukraine and start bombing the piss out of Russia. So then Russia will look up and say, hey, that's China. We should fight China because they're messing with us. And then what Donald Trump says is, then Russia and China will get into a war, and we can just sit back, relax, and watch. (laughs) Oh, my God. That is fucking stupid. I mean, I think I saw this strategy before, but it was in the 60s, and it was on the TV show McHale's fucking Navy. Donald Trump, what is he, a seventh grader? Did we have a seventh grader running this country for four years? I fucking think so. This is absolutely ignorant. First of all, no other country in the world have F-22s. You don't think Russia would fucking notice that? Well, China doesn't have F-22s. Why do they have F-22s now? Donald Trump is such a fucking child. He thinks this kind of thing would fucking work. And it won't. It's just it's just a joke. And what I find hilarious is that there are a bunch of trump out there that think he's an absolute Jesus genius. That's what the J stands for, genius, right? They think he's smart. They think he's tough. And he comes out with something like this. This is something you would see on a bad television show. And that makes sense, given that Donald Trump is a bad reality television host. At some point, people have to be embarrassed by following this guy. I know some people that follow Donald Trump, that like Donald Trump, and I know they're smarter than this. I always thought they were comparably smart to me. These are people I grew up with or work with. 
I knew they were fairly intelligent. I knew that they knew what was up. But when you hear something like this, how do you say, yeah, that's a fucking good idea? (laughs) And this is just one thing. Donald Trump has said so many stupid things. How do you continue to follow him? It does seem like some kind of psychosis, some kind of hypnotic thing that these people are involved in because no matter what he says no matter what he does no matter how many times he's exposed they still believe in him joe biden's the criminal and donald trump is the hero all you have to do is look at this plan that he laid out to understand that he's a fucking idiot an absolute fucking idiot i can guarantee you this Joe Biden isn't going to have them paint Chinese flags on the side of their jets. (laughs) That is not going to fucking work. And uh, Donald Trump should keep his mouth shut. He has no business even talking to adults at this level. Now, as I've said, Russia has suffered great losses in their invasion of Ukraine. To date, they've lost more than 100 planes and helicopters and have yet to achieve air superiority. Now, yesterday, they took a serious loss in terms of personnel. General Vitaly Gerasimov, chief of staff of the 41st Combined Arms Army, was killed during fighting near Kharkiv. He's a big-time general. In fact, he was part of this whole Crimea thing, the attack on Crimea. He was kind of a hero. Well, a hero to Russia because... uh, He's also uh, under investigation for war crimes at The Hague. Yeah, he's a dirtball, but he's dead now. And that's got to take its toll on the uh, morale of people like Putin and the upper military. Their big shots are getting killed, the people running this whole operation. This operation that, of course, is ill-advised, but are forced to do because Vladimir Putin wants to do it. It doesn't make any sense. It's a no-win situation, but Vlad Putin's going to do it. You're going to destroy your entire country, but Vlad Putin is going to do it. And now one of their big-time generals dies in fighting in Kharkiv. That's got to hit him kind of hard, don't you think? I would think so. I would think that would hit him right where it hurts. Now, some other news regarding the um, the um, House Select Committee. Benny Thompson, chairman of the House Select Committee investigating the insurrection, said that they have finally received the White House visitor logs and some records from Vice President Mike Pence's office. And he's saying that uh, what they're finding has become very fruitful, meaning they found a lot of shit. Donald Trump didn't want them to see the visitor logs for very good reason. We want to know who went in and out of the White House on January 6th. Well, now we know. And uh, some other interesting news that the House Select Committee is telling us is that we can expect to see the televised hearings next month in April which is really going to be interesting. This is when shit is going to start hitting the fan. There are going to be people testifying, talking shit about Donald Trump, and Donald Trump will be going nuts. You heard about this book from William Barr, talking about all the shit that Donald Trump said. Donald Trump then sent out some kind of press release talking about 15 things that were bad about William Barr. 
I mean, William Barr basically protected this guy for the years he was in office. William Barr doesn't deserve any kind of forgiveness. He was as much responsible and just as guilty as Donald Trump for the things that happened during the four-year term of Donald Trump as Donald was. He's a fucking piece of shit. Now, he writes this book, and he speaks badly of Donald Trump, thinking, oh, people will just forget. Let me tell you something, William Barr. Nobody's forgetting jack shit. Nobody's forgetting anything. So now we're seeing more and more information. And once we get to these hearings on television, that's when things are going to start to break free. I mean, that's the whole point of the House Select Committee is to reveal all this evidence to the general public. Then it's a matter of whether or not they refer it to the DOJ. And it looks like they're going to refer some things regarding Donald Trump to the DOJ regarding January 6th. We're seeing a lot of information about uh, the case with him and uh, and uh, his lawyer who kind of cooked up this whole plan. The House Select Committee has said they have evidence. And now when the judge comes down and says he gets the emails, and yes, you're right, they have evidence, then the DOJ is in a position where they got to do something. They fucking have to do something. People are saying Donald Trump will never get touched. Donald Trump will never do this. Donald Trump will never do that. The fact of the matter is a lot of stuff has already happened. His entire company has been indicted. His CFO has been indicted. We've got all the activity in in Georgia where he clearly violated the law when he was trying to coerce the Secretary of State in Georgia to overturn the election. There's a lot of evidence about him, and everybody says, well, he'll never get convicted. And to be perfectly honest with you, he may get indicted. He may get convicted. I doubt very much he'll spend any time in jail, however. I think they will do just enough to make sure he can never run for office again, and there are plenty of opportunities for that to happen. But it's kind of unprecedented putting a president, former president, in jail. There's a lot of logistical problems with that. How do you protect a president with the Secret Service while he's in fucking jail? Do you put the Secret Service in jail again? I don't know. I don't think so. It's never been done, so I'd be surprised if they put him in prison. They may put some restrictions on him, but something's going to happen to Donald Trump. There's just too much evidence, and there was too much damage by Donald Trump to this country. Something has to be done. He has to be held accountable in some way. Otherwise, people are going to feel free to do what he did again in the future, whether they be Republican or Democrat. So something has to be done. I mean, even if it's to the point where he's absolutely broke, loses his businesses, loses all his property, has no money, loses his standing, and then he's going to have to fend for himself. Donald Trump has never fend for himself in his life. Daddy has always protected him, and then all the people around him uh, always bailed him out of problems. Now, when everybody will walk away from him because he's of no value to them anymore— He's going to have to fend for himself, and he's never, ever done that. If they simply put him in that position, I'll be happy, because that's worse than prison to Donald Trump. You have to walk around being a failure with nothing, no power, no control. That is the absolute worst thing to do to a narcissist, and that will be certainly 
a punishment for Donald Trump. So what's going to happen? I don't know. But Donald Trump, one way or another, will be held accountable. These crimes are just too big and too egregious. We let them go and there is no accountability. Then it pretty much destroys the future of this country because every president that comes in, assuming they are unethical, and we're talking about politicians, so that's a serious possibility, they are going to push the limits just like Donald Trump did. And they're going to feel like they aren't going to have to be accountable because Donald Trump wasn't accountable. And that's just not going to work with our form of government. It just can't work. Between the DOJ, the House Select Committee, the Senate, all these people, they have to come up some ways to stop this bullshit because that will just be the destruction of our way of government, of our democracy. I don't know how they're going to do it. I'm guessing they don't know how they're going to do it, but something will be figured out. Donald Trump will be accountable. He will never run for office again, and even if he did, he couldn't win. And a lot of these people that were helping him that are sitting in Congress or in his administration, they're going to be without the opportunity to get back into public life and work in politics. So hopefully we can weed these people out so that they can never come back again and make another mess like they've done. We've never seen a mess like this. We've had some corrupt motherfuckers in the White House, in Congress, and in the Senate, but it's never been this bad. There's always been limitations. Unfortunately, with Donald Trump, he saw no limitations, and nobody stopped him from breaching those limitations. People will always tell me, well, we've been trying to get him for five years. They'll never get him. That's not true. All the time he was in office, he was protected by his office, the presidency, and the Republicans in the Senate. They weren't going to let anything happen to him, and because he's president, he got away with a bunch of shit. Everybody loves to talk about nobody being above the law, but let's be perfectly honest. The president, at least in the case with Donald Trump, is above the law. And it comes down to some fucked up memo that is in the DOJ that says, yeah, we should never prosecute a sitting president. Now, I got a uh, an email from a lady talking about that memo. I'm going to dig into it a little bit more, see where it originated from, and see what it actually says. And then in the next program, tomorrow, we'll talk about that, and I'll read the email from this woman. But it's, it's a good suggestion, because we have to understand why some memo supersedes the fucking law. That makes no sense. Some guy writes a memo and that's law now? That's not how it works in this country. And to be perfectly honest with you, that whole premise, that whole policy has to go. If no one is truly above the law, that memo is illegal because it's making the president above the law. I understand a president commits a crime and he goes through criminal investigations while he's president. That can cause a mess. That can cause this country a problem. But let's be honest, that memo stopped Donald Trump from being accountable, and that caused a lot of problems in this country. So we have to come up with a fix for that. We can't have that memo dictating that presidents can do whatever they want. And I don't care if they're Republican or Democrat. All of them are capable of of uh, manipulating and uh, and um, exploiting all these opportunities to break laws and get away with it. 
We've got to take that away. We've got to make it truly that no one is above the law. Don't just say that and then tell me no one's above the law and then play it out like, well, a couple people are. We can't do that. We just can't do that. So I'm going to look into that memo. I'll read her email tomorrow, and we'll see what that's all about and how it actually came about and uh, what it's going to take to get rid of it, because I think that's something that uh, the Biden administration really needs to look at. Now, you know, with all the stories that are going around these days and all the things that are happening in this world, it's, it's sometimes hard to keep track of all that we've heard. And there was one story that was really big, but I haven't heard much about it. In fact, I've heard nothing about it lately. Lately, Now, do you remember when Donald Trump told us about his brand new social media platform? It was an app called Truth Social. Oh, and it was going to be a big one. Yeah, a giant killer. It was going to kill Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and all of them. It was going to be the biggest thing anybody's seen. He said he had people investing up to a billion dollars in it. Now, of course, Donald Trump his mouth was flapping, so it was probably a lie. But no doubt people did invest money. I don't know if it was a billion, but it was probably in the millions or tens of millions because they saw it as a big moneymaker. Donald Trump's name's on it. It's going to go big because he's got this big audience that follows him. Now, he said what he would do is he would gather his patriots on this app. They'd spread their truth, and they would There would be no censorship. Well, unless you talked against Donald Trump, then they would censor that. But other than that, conspiracy theories and bullshit and lies and stuff like that, no censorship. You can say whatever you want, no matter how ridiculous or how inflammatory it was. Now, when it launched a while ago, my curiosity got the best of me. I downloaded the app and I wanted to check it out. Now, I was disappointed. I was disappointed because I wanted to infiltrate there and give some people some shit and see if I got banned. I knew I would, and I didn't care. But what I found there was nothing but meme after meme after meme, these dumb fucks. There was no truth. There was no facts. There wasn't even an original thought it was all fucking memes. I can see these Trumplefucks doing this. Oh, here's a funny meme. I'll post that. I'll take somebody else's work. I'll post that. See how funny and smart I am. Well, this fucking app looked like uh, a spam website. Nothing but memes and advertisement for stupid shit. People trying to sell shit. See, Donald Trump made the mistake thinking that because he had his name, He could come right out of the chute and beat Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all these things. What they don't understand is Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram took a while to build up, and they became powerful far before Donald Trump was even a fucking thought. Donald Trump isn't the source of the success of Twitter. He happened to have some success on Twitter, but they would have had success without him. He thought his fame and his notoriety would be enough to overtake Twitter and Instagram and all the rest. But um, that wasn't the case. This app is the farthest thing from success. Trump is mad about it, too. Oh, he's fucking steamed. He's flailing around. But the fact of the matter is Trump isn't even posting on his own app. 
Why is that? I mean, did he get banned the first week on his own app? That's conceivable. Or is he just mad and he's pouting and he's saying, I'm not going to post anything if you can't make this fucking work better. Here's what everybody forgot. Now, whether people invested millions or billions of dollars in him, what they didn't do, they didn't do the one thing that's most important in business, and that is your due diligence. Don't go with emotion. Don't take a wild shot because you think this is a no-lose situation. you got to do your due diligence. And your due diligence in this situation, if you did it, you'd find out that nothing, nothing Donald Trump did won. Everything he did was a failure. Everything he attached his name to was a failure. He always talks about how he was a big-time builder, construction guy. Well, the last 20 years, he hasn't built a fucking thing. All he's done is lent his name to buildings because it would sell for more money. Well, his brand is shot right now, and that's what he was trying to do with this app. He didn't want it work. He didn't want to do anything. In fact, the people putting it together found some... Um, this open app that was basically a lame copy of Twitter, and they got it for free, and they used that as the basis of the app. Why do you need a billion dollars of investments if you're going on the cheap to put this fucking thing together? I mean, that's the one thing about an app that people forget. There's a lot of money into that app, so it works properly. You look at Twitter or Instagram or TikTok or whatever, there's a lot of money into that, and there's a lot of money to keep it running. But Donald Trump didn't care. All he wanted was it up and watch his people flock to it. Now, here's where I always get in an argument with people. Well, he's got a lot of people backing him up. He'll get voted in again. He'll do this. He'll do that. No, he doesn't have a lot of people backing him up. That is a fallacy. People think because he got 74 million people voting for him in 2020 that all of these people back him. That is not true. The fact of the matter is his base is maybe 30% of the country. And that's a lot. Don't get me wrong. But it's not much, not enough to do anything. It's not enough to have a successful app. It's not enough to get voted in as president. All these other people that voted for Donald Trump in 2020 were just people who did not want to vote Democrat and always voted Republican. They didn't care who was running. They were Republicans, and that's who they're voting for. But now, as all this stuff goes on, they're not supporting the crazy bullshit. Now, come 2024, I don't know who they're going to vote for if Donald Trump runs. They're not going to feel good about voting for him. I'm guessing maybe they don't vote at all, which will be a fail for the Republicans. That's why the Republicans don't want him running. He's not going to be um, beneficial to the Republicans should he run. So Donald Trump does this app. It fails miserably. It's not doing anything. He's mad. He's blaming everybody else but himself. But Donald Trump has to remember he's failed at everything. You pick out anything he's done, it's failed. Every business he currently has running is losing money. He's going to be sued and uh, he's going to have to put out enough money where he is going to be bankrupt anyway. Nobody's going to give him a loan because of his current situation. Donald Trump, for all intents and purposes, is done. His brand is done. And his brand is the only thing he had to sell. He thought he'd get into social media, but clearly 
that was a bad idea because that's not working. He's not making any money. And all these people that invested money into him now feeling bad for themselves because they made the wrong choice. Well, if you had done a little bit of due diligence, you would have known better. You got caught up in the bullshit. You wasted your money. You're going to lose all your money. And you know what? Fuck yourself. Good for you. All right, we're going to wrap up the Rational Boomer for yet another day. I want to thank you for spending the time to listen. If you have questions, comments, complaints, by all means, just send me an email at rationalboomer at gmail.com or go to anchor.fm, find Rational Boomer Podcast, and leave me a voicemail. You have a great day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.